welcome to the next edition of the Resources Podcast Series. In this episode, we had the opportunity to speak with Daniela Tudor and Murphy Jensen, co-founders of We Connect Recovery, which strives to support healthcare ecosystems, communities, and families during long-term recovery from addiction. Listen to learn the personal stories of Daniela and Murphy, how their struggles became a catalyst for change, and the foundation they have developed to care for those afflicted by addiction. Murphy and Daniela, thank you so much for your time this morning um, to join our podcast. Would you both tell us just a little bit about your company, We Connect? Sure. So Daniela here, and thank you so much for having us uh, on your podcast. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Daniela Tudor, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of We Connect. And my journey to We Connect is very personal. Um, I got into recovery um, and landed in inpatient treatment, and it was there on my third week uh, that I imagined a solution that would uh, bridge the gap that we currently have in the system, which is that once you finish your inpatient treatment, you're given a piece of paper to maintain your recovery program and your recovery activities to continue your new life in sobriety, and a piece of paper just wasn't enough. And so that was the initial idea that I had that we could use something like our phones in our pockets to bridge that gap and keep us accountable to the care plan as well as connected to our support network. Um, so when I got out of treatment, I was very lucky and um, won a contest to go to Richard Branson's Island on Necker Island. And that's where I met Murphy. Um, and uh, Murphy, you can go ahead and, and share a little bit about your story, but we paired up and with Murphy's resources and network and uh, business acumen, um, it was just a great team and a great opportunity to make a big difference in the world. Thank you, Daniela. Murphy, how about your background? Well, I uh, do not come from the, the uh, technology background. I came from the world of uh, professional tennis. Uh, I grew up in on a Christmas tree farm in northern Michigan and in and, and a family that was filled with sports and, and tennis took off for, our, for all of us in the family. And which led to a French Open championship. And uh, similar to Daniela's story, um, you know, I found myself uh, at the height of my career uh, playing the U.S. Open in 1999, and I discovered that I had a substance use disorder uh, and that I struggled from drug and alcohol addiction, and I didn't know why and what happened to me. Uh, and I'm also in long-term recovery since 1999 and the birth of my son. And it's, it's taken me and given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And meeting Daniela and connecting with her and uh, her insight and um, her genius to, to solve this problem uh, where relapse rates are so high. Um, and that there's a void in the in how treatment um, is done. Um, you know, it, it just lined up with everything for me personally and professionally. You know, and it's really magical to get an opportunity that uh, supports our mission, which is not only to support inpatient and outpatient healthcare systems, but to help communities and and uh, the hospital systems thrive in recovery, and most importantly, uh, patients. Okay. 
Now, when the two of you met on Richard Branson's island, how did you start that conversation and how was We Connect actually born? We actually, um, as a result of that trip, is how we got connected. Um, when I came back to Seattle, I um, uh, connected with a friend that was in my outpatient group who mentioned, hey, look, uh, it looks like you were on the island at the same time as Murphy. Um, I know him and uh, you two should connect. And Murphy was so kind to take that individual to a 12-step meeting. Um, and uh, lo and behold, he made a connection between us. So we got on the phone uh, and had a conversation, and I, I was very nervous to talk to him <laughs> at first. And uh, we talked about our dreams and hopes and kind of aspirations, and a few months later, Murphy and I met in the Fremont market um, in person, and then sometime after that, him and his family moved up here to Seattle. Prior to meeting Daniela, uh, I was looking to pursue something beyond the game of tennis. And at the age of, let's say, 46, I made the big jump and headed west. Um, I was looking to pursue something beyond the game. Um, I had no idea it'd be in the tech space. I had no idea what space it was going to be in. And upon meeting Daniela, I was exposed to a world that I didn't even know existed, things like wireframes, things like technology, dev teams, coders, engineers. You know, I'm probably muddling up some of that thing, those things, and all of which I've learned to date. And um, this, what she shared with me was uh, the something that looked into the future. I saw Daniela as someone that, that foresaw what was uh, uh, needed badly uh, in the recovery space. Um, I saw the opportunity to help lots and lots of people and, and essentially save lives. And something that supports my recovery is um, helping others and, and being of service and, and things like that. But beyond that, um, her technology and business acumen was at another level. And I thought, you know, she and I could, you know, with my experience and, and my network and um, her brain power, we could uh, move some mountains. How many people has WeConnect actually helped to date? So it's in the thousands at the moment, and we actually have an upcoming release of our new suite of products um, that's going to be expanding beyond facilities to health plans and other institutions. And we're really, really excited about that. And we'll share more details with you um, as that comes. That's amazing. I've got to ask though, why is it imperative that we have tools like this in place during one's recovery process? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we connect and other uh, stakeholders in the space are trying to address is that to date we've treated addiction as an acute disease, so getting someone through detox quickly or just a 28-day program and then making the assumption that that's enough or even something as extreme as that they're cured, and that's just not reality. Um, addiction is a chronic condition that requires daily treatment, uh, just like diabetes requires insulin on a daily basis, except uh, being a biopsychosocial condition 
Addiction does require things like support meetings and therapy sessions and meditation and nutrition changes on a daily basis. And so um, what We Connect does is it bridges that gap. It basically is an extension of a 28-day program uh, for a daily program that you can utilize for the rest of your life to stay accountable to your care plan and stay connected in real time so that you can consistently uh, wake up uh, in recovery every single day. Okay. That's a really good answer. What tools can people utilize within the We Connect program app? Yeah, so we've taken three different types of primary approaches. One is the community approach, which is also evidence-based, um, that staying connected to your community or your support system uh, will yield better results and help people stay in recovery. Um, when you sign up for the app, you're immediately connected to at least your third-party uh, clinician or counselor or whoever helped onboard you onto the app that's a partner to us. Um, the second one is uh, a variation of cognitive behavioral therapy. There's different pieces in the application that prompt the person to assess and walk through their uh, journey and recovery on a daily basis. And then the third, which is the most important, is contingency management. In layman's terms, this is a system of positive reinforcement and getting rewards for changing your behavior. And so as you enter your uh, different care plan activities, and let's say you have to go to your therapist and your 12-step meeting today, uh, the application uh, upon you completing that milestone will divvy out to you some sort of reward or positive messaging, like a Starbucks card or something of that nature. Um, and that uh, mode of treatment or evidence-based treatment has proven to be 50% more effective than any other method of treatment out there for behavioral health and also specifically substance use disorders. Um, so those are the three different ways. Um, we also have built into the app location verification. So the individual chooses what activities they want to stay accountable to and the app um, helps them keep them accountable by verifying that they've uh, been at that location um, that they want to arrive at for their support meetings or other um, uh, recovery activities. Okay. And is that part of the, da the data dashboard that's within the app that it compiles all of that information together? No, so that's a different um, uh, piece of our product suite. So what I just described is the mobile application. Okay. Uh, based on your behavior on the app, we have a patent-pending relapse risk score algorithm that can assign your relapse risk score to the clinician based on your behavior on the app. And so that data dashboard compiles in a really easy way um, the relapse risk score of each individual. And then you can click into each individual's record and more deeply see, okay, what activities did they miss or what activities did they complete? What has been their historical trend and how can I support them? Um, so that's the data dashboard. And out of that too, um, we can support our partners in pulling out reporting and analytics so that they can view how their overall population is doing uh, compared to the national average um, and things like that. Okay. What is the relapse rate for people who are actually going through the recovery program? And the second piece of that question is, are there different relapse rates for different stages throughout the recovery program process? Well, I can answer a part of that and feel free to add on to it. Um, 
the statistics and the data shows that people leaving treatment at day 28, within the first two weeks, there's a 50% relapse rate. Within the first year, there's an 85% relapse rate. And, but the, the good news about our um, technology is that we're focused on the first year. And relapse rates drop 60% for those that make it to day 365. So keeping someone tethered to the recovery activities, accountable to their uh, support routines, and connected to their support network and any key stakeholder in the recovery improves outcome. Um, so it's a tool and a framework that's going to support your recovery 24-7 in real time. Not to mention the clinicians, the counselors, the alumni coordinators at a treatment center, all those people that were uh, part of your, your recovery in the first 28 days or before, you know, there's a, a transparent view of and support for someone's recovery journey. Wow. How are those relapse rates supported or reduced through applications like yours? Yeah, so essentially when the person is kept accountable to their recovery activities um, and they're showing up to those activities, particularly the support meetings and the therapy sessions, then they're kept accountable day by day over time mm -hmm. and um, they're no longer relapsing at that point. And so applications like this are basically uh, your inpatient treatment digital in a package walking with you 24-7 when you go back to your old environment mm -hmm. versus not having any kind of support um, available when you go back to your old environment when it's much easier than to slip back into uh, addiction and relapse. Right. Yeah, and, and a notification gets shot out to all the key stakeholders in my recovery when my uh, recovery activities drop below a threshold of you know, 60, 70%. And that's the, the, the deal there. You know, two weeks out, we were, we're able to predict that, you know, or foresee a couple of weeks out before relapse occurs that my recovery activities have dropped. If one wants to be part of that community support with you, the friends and the family who are supporting that individual walking through this recovery process, how do they become part of that process and get that information that you just described? So the family, for example, the families that are partnering with those facilities to onboard their loved one onto the platform, they can either get a weekly digest or we have some ways that we're building out uh, the community in-app uh, for those specific members. Whereas going back to the most important crucial member of someone's support network, which is that counselor uh, or social worker or clinician, they're getting instant updates and they can also be connected to the individual um, via the mobile app as well. And how do they actually become a partner within that process? So is there um, something that the patient themselves, do they have to opt in to have specific people see their activity and their progress? Yeah, so we, we hold privacy as a very high standard. We partner with the different facilities or health plans or any kind of other institutions. And if that person is eligible for a program, then they opt in through the application when they first sign up. They have their privacy policy and consent that they can digitally um, confirm at that point. And so they're actually providing permission for the data to be shared uh, to support them in their recovery. And we're very explicit about that. And for us, like putting the patient in control of that data is uh, very important. 
And do you see as time goes on that more people are added to that network of support once the patient or the person going through the, the recovery process gets a little bit more familiar and more comfortable with that type of information going out? Absolutely. I mean, I think as a society, particularly the younger generations, in exchange for convenience, in exchange for efficiency, for uh, some kind of positive outcome, uh, I believe that people are more and more open to providing access to data and the return for that type of service. I think that's where we're moving as a society. Now, one of your or your app can be referred to as companion apps, which is a term that we're seeing um, in this space, which are some of those apps that just support the individual with that safety net. So all of this information is going out with the information and the tools and the people who are there in their circle to support them. How are you seeing that these apps are perhaps disruptive, but in a good sense, that they're bringing some positive change to that population that might be most vulnerable to relapse? The, the brainchild of this whole thing came about as a result of typically the industry standard up to this point was when you were discharged, you were handed a piece of paper mm -hmm. with the 10 things that you're expected to do for the rest of your life. Going back to what Daniela was saying is that this is a chronic disease, that this is something that I'm going to have to stay accountable for and on top of mm -hmm. to stay stay vertical to keep myself from relapsing. And so, you know, digitizing that treatment plan and staying connected with your support network um, is a framework and a tool that, you know, is easy to use, easy to navigate. And sometimes it's very difficult to pick up that phone when I'm really having a rough day or I'm thinking about having a drink. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's an SOS feature in, in in the application that can send an alert out to those key stakeholders that says, I need some extra support today. You know, just a really easy or a soft reminder, hey, Murphy, it's been two days since you've been to a therapy session or a support group meeting. You know, it, it's a framework that's going to, you know, it's designed to uh, support me and keep me on track. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's different. When I, for me, I'm dealing with a life and death illness. It's different than me trying to shed five pounds. Right. Um, you know, uh, I think there's a sense of urgency here, but more importantly, there's a sense of love and care and um, like a warm blanket that's surrounding me that, you know, I keep I keep my recovery front of mind and, and, and looking at the power of intention that if I'm just opening up my WeConnect Health app, checking in to my first routine or, or doing my first meditation or showing up for my first recovery, it's constantly in the front of my mind. I think contingency management, using rewards to keep me motivated and incentives to stay on track is a game changer. Mm -hmm. How are you seeing the response to those um, incentives to stay on track? I would imagine that they're positive, but I, does it keep them more engaged on a scorable percentage that you can actually measure versus not having the rewards? Yes, we've seen some great positive results in terms of having a specific control group versus a group of folks that are using WeConnect. We'll be embarking on clinical trials this coming year and we'll be sharing more information as that comes as well. Okay. Going back to a, a piece of data that we are super excited about is the fact that 
There's a person on the platform that's completed over 98% of 7,000 recovery activities, 98% in in over three years. That's a great, you know, that's engagement at the highest order. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And completing 98% of those 7,000 activities, I would imagine, puts them on a much stronger path for recovery than someone who had maybe completed 50%. 100%. (laughs) There we go. There we go. (laughs) Now, Daniela, you talked some about that uh, focus group and the study group that you're going to be uh, piloting. I believe, if I remember through the research properly, in May of 2017, you guys partnered with MAP Health Management to conduct a pilot study of about 200 patients to test the relapse rates with the app. Has that pilot now ended? And if it has, could you share the results of it? So that pilot was very successful. It showed increased engagement between the clinician and the patient um, as a result of our technology being a supporting technology to their telemedicine solution. Um, And so we've actually, that type of pilot has helped us uh, shepherd along conversations and now uh, plunging into the field of having health plan and insurance coverage. So it definitely showed that a technology like WeConnect Bridging the gap between those video telemedicine sessions um, increases engagement, which ultimately equates to reducing the relapse rate. Okay. Well, that was one of my next questions was, is this app only for in-person visits or does it also include telemedicine? It sounds like you're actually using it for both. It just depends on the availability of both the provider and the patient themselves. Is that correct? Yeah, so it depends on what kind of stakeholders we're partnering with with in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we connect is very suited to support telemedicine solutions as well. What's some of the feedback that you receive from the, the providers who participated in this study and who are participating with you now? Are they liking that there is this connectivity between them and the patient? Yeah, so we've had some really great feedback um, from a variety of providers. Um, we have even testimonials saying like, uh, that they wish that they had this earlier, see the impact. I think it goes back to the gap that we're bridging, which is that until we came along, uh, there wasn't any real-time data that the provider was able to glean about their patient population, whether to make sure that they're still on track and prevent them from uh, having a relapse event, or if in the case that they do have a relapse event, they have that quick connection to be able to get them back to a higher level of care instantly. So that didn't really exist before WeConnect came along, and that's one of the biggest value adds uh, that we're hearing about. In addition to that, the reporting and analytics that we're able to provide, the facilities are really excited about that capability because it streamlines their ability to report back to the insurance companies as well as the accreditation firm, um, and it really supports them in that endeavor um, that's very important to uh, them thriving um, in their ecosystem. Sure. And I can imagine, too, from the risk and insurance perspective that we're looking at the analytics as well, not only for the the provider themselves, but looking at how can we better help the patient, what resources can we put in place, and how does that play into the actuarial piece as well, the pricing components and the coverage. These types of tools are so vital to get real-time data to help update those systems, I would imagine. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay. 
Did you also find I'm I'm more of a um, all resources in one place type of a person rather than going out and having to search multiple different areas? So I would imagine if I were someone going through this recovery process that it would be helpful and reduce some of that stress level for me if all of these resources are in one place with the connectivity to the provider, having the check-ins, having kind of a daily roadmap of what I need to do for the day and stay on track. Were you finding that that was some of the feedback that you were receiving as well? Absolutely. I mean, going back to my personal experience, when I got that piece of paper with all of those recovery activities listed on there, I felt very overwhelmed and I knew I had my phone calendar. I had um, all these different things that I had to do in order to stay on track. So the way that I envision we connect continuing to grow is that it's the best version of you 24 seven in your pocket, prompting you and helping you along that journey um, and reduce some of that uh, overwhelm and, and really support the person so that they can focus on what's actually important, which is being present in those sessions um, and present in the recovery activities that they're doing. Your company has also partnered with Volunteers of America. Could you tell us a little bit more about that partnership and how it was formed? Absolutely. So that is an engagement that serves the veteran population. It is funded by a SAMHSA grant, and we've been working with them. We also brought in a partnership with a mobile carrier, um, which was able to allocate smartphones for those that didn't have access to them. Since then, that partnership with the mobile carrier has directly started working with uh, the VOA, and we've seen incredible, um, not just testimonials, but data around how we're supporting and how we're impacting the social determinants of health uh, for that particular population by the use of the WeConnect app and also underlining that the support that we're giving them to impact their quality of life uh, with a smartphone and giving them the ability to you know, go to job interviews and um, housing appointments and all types of activities that are specific to this program and the population that we're serving. Okay. So through that partnership, you not only developed a community with the veteran population, you've also actually supplied them with a physical tool, the smartphone, I would imagine already preloaded with your app to help that engagement back and forth. Why did you target that veteran population? What made them stand out among some of the other groups? Well, for me personally, when I first came up with this idea, I actually had the veteran population in mind because one of the crux to recovery is community. Mm -hmm. And I knew that with the veteran population, inherently uh, they have their team, they're very much uh, bonded to their teammates and all of those things. And when you come back from deployment, you're separated and go back to your hometown. And so I just really kept in my heart and in my mind as we were building this, the thought of how important community is and the inspiration for it uh, was the veteran population. And so it was a great honor to be able to work with them. And we look forward to expanding that partnership and being able to, to serve um, the veterans more and more as we grow. Okay. And do you plan to partner with other organizations um, in the future that maybe are outside of the veteran population and replicate the same model? Yeah, absolutely. We, we actually offer this model um, as an available solution to anybody that we partner with. Um, it just depends if that population requires the smartphone, and also we have to make sure, of course, uh, that we are within all the state and federal regulations of providing a solution like this. Okay, that makes sense. 
Well, thankfully, we are finally starting to see a cultural shift in speaking about mental illness and really starting to take that off the table as being a taboo topic. How does addiction tie into mental illness? Well, it was my experience that, you know, our behavioral health or addiction is falling under the umbrella of behavioral health. And, you know, prior to um, finding recovery, um, you know, part of my addiction was the inability to uh, tell the truth from the false in my mind, you know, and I was willing to put, because of a physical allergy or a physical dependence on a drug or a drink, I, I put uh, that in front of family, friends, anything that loved me, including myself. So that, you know, the, the, I think the biggest thing to talk about is the stigma and the guilt and the shame that's associated with, with um, you know, mental illness or uh, addiction. I mean, both uh, have, has guilt and shame associated with them. The stigma of being afraid to, to share my secrets or afraid to sh- share what's going on in my head you know that that there has been a cultural shift and i'm seeing it daily and and industry leaders in technology and finance and the whole world is you know waking up to the fact that we don't have an opioid epidemic or you know a crisis we have a national emergency um you know it's the equivalent of a, a an airplane crashing every day and nobody survives with the with the addiction crisis mm. so and it's a growing problem so the you know, non-disclosure about the elephant in the room uh, has to be smashed. That's a pretty powerful image that you just painted in my brain, that it's a plane crash that's happening every day with no survivors. Yeah, 200 people perish a day from accidental overdose. Wow, that is such a startling and sobering number for me to hear that. Yeah. Can your app be utilized to help someone with mental illness and maybe not the addiction piece? Uh, And it sounds like those two typically go hand in hand, but if someone's just struggling with mental illness, can they use your app to help in that process? Yes, absolutely. In fact, 76% of um, folks with substance use disorders have also another co-occurring disorder. Hmm. The app at the crux of it supports an individual in whatever their recovery or care plan is. So... When you're thinking about behavioral health, typically there's medication adherence, um, attendance to therapy sessions. There is perhaps a nutrition and exercise component. So the framework that we built with WeConnect can support really any behavioral health condition. And we're already starting to see a lot of interest of um, being it adopted on a broader scale with those things in mind. Um, so it is set up to be able to serve those that have a behavioral health condition or have co-occurring disorders, both substance use disorders and behavioral health conditions. Okay. And then the providers can still be tied in here, too. It doesn't have to be just for the addiction piece. It could also be for the mental health recovery as well. Correct. They okay. can view a patient's progress based on the information and the care plan and um, adherence that that patient is inputting into the application. Okay. So coming back to that community support piece for just a moment, if I have someone in my life who is struggling with addiction or even mental illness, how do I best show them my support? 
I think the biggest thing is when you're approaching them, from my experience and also my training in advanced interventionism, is that you want to talk about addiction as it being its own separate entity that's affecting both that individual and yourself. Uh, Instead of them being the same synonymous with the addiction. And what I mean by that is expressing support and love and say, hey, look, addiction is affecting us in this way. Um, is there something you want to talk about or how can I support you and that type of thing? So coming from a loving place when they're not intoxicated, as well as, again, talking about how addiction as a, as a condition is affecting both you and them, because even though they're the ones that are directly ingesting the substances and being affected by it, it's also affecting your relationship together. And that approach, uh, being alongside them, trying to address addiction together usually um, will bring uh, people's barriers down and they're more likely to feel less guilt and shame and be able to be open to the help and support that you're providing. Because as Murphy mentioned, at the crux of it, there's a lot of guilt and shame. That's usually the biggest barrier to people reaching out for help. Yeah, and what what was a game changer for me was when I was described um, my behavior as a disease and not as a moral failing. I think what was also a game changer for me is somebody coming to me that that was in recovery. You know, nobody understood the feelings um, and, and, and the behavior associated with addiction like someone that was in recovery. You know, I had loved ones that didn't get it, you know, but I, but I also had loved ones that, that loved me no matter what. And that was, um, you know, I look back on, on my journey and um, I may not have made it. And I think we live in a world with those crazy, with those horrible statistics uh, with the addiction crisis today where, you know, to say that, you know, rock bottom, you know, the, the tough love and reaching rock bottom is, is that might be a death sentence to somebody, you know? So um, that's what I've been exposed to um, throughout the addiction crisis and, and being on the front lines alongside Daniela. Okay. So referring it to it as a disease rather than just something that someone can control, because I think that that word disease elicits much more compassion and care um, because you can't help if you have cancer. So if you liken it to something like that, I think it brings that love and concern a little bit more to the forefront. Would you agree? A hundred percent. When I thought of it and think of it as a disease, you know, which, which starts, you know, in my mind, as long as I don't put something in my mouth that's going to change the way I respond to life mentally and physically, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a remedy. There might not be a cure, like Daniela said, but there definitely is a remedy to this. And if I go through the process, which I did, I went through a detox, I went through a treatment center, I went through aftercare and outpatient, lived in a sober living home, and um, with enough time and enough uh, work on my recovery, uh, I, I walked this earth a free person without the desire to drink or use without the obsession, but I, it's, it's daily maintenance mm-hmm. it, for me to stay uh, compliant to my own recovery, personally. 
What do you feel is the most effective tool that friends and family can use kind of in their toolbox to help and support that person throughout their journey, not just at the beginning, but throughout the process? Is it connecting through the WeConnect app, or is there something different that we can, as a loved one, that we can offer to the person going through the program? I think you find someone who's in recovery and, and, and number one, to, to do it with you, you know, you know, that when someone in recovery shares their story with someone that's um, not in recovery yet or needs, needs help, um, that's super powerful and that the loved ones care about it. And exactly like Daniela said, share that, you know, it's hurting you as much as it's hurting them. You know, there are, there are so many resources for help today that weren't, weren't available. And, and the truth is, still to this day, most people don't want to talk about it. I think the, the, the first thing is, is find a time and a place when, where they're willing to talk about it. For me, uh, you know, it was at a jumping off place where I had the willingness that to, to, you know, what I, I went from a person that didn't want help to asking for help, be willing to accept help, to then being able to give help and hope. So, you know, I think communication and conversation and no guilt, no shame, and no judgment is a, is a great tool in trying to help a loved one. Okay. Going back to what the family member can do for themselves is they should absolutely attend their own therapy or codependency anonymous or Al-Anon because they're affected by the addiction too. It's a little bit more unclear because it's not this direct relationship with substances, but getting their own behaviors to a healthy place so that um, they're not enabling or that they're not having a certain kind of reaction to them, the person's recovery, because the family dynamic is changing, that can then create an environment where the whole family system is healthy and healing. That's a really good point, Daniela, and one I would not have even picked up on if you hadn't said something, that we as those caregivers, we want to provide the best help, but perhaps we need to do some therapies of our own to learn what that help is. And also, you can only give so much if you don't have enough in your own gas tank. So, Daniela hit it on the, it on the head, you know, creating healthy boundaries for everybody's affected mm -hmm. in this process. You know, when there's addiction in the house, everybody is affected by it. And those healthy boundaries are, are important in seeking help for that through a therapist, um, you know, psychologist, you know, psychiatrist. There's a lot of avenues that have a lot of information and a lot of services that provide that help. Okay. Well, if someone is listening to our podcast now and wants to learn more or they're interested in partnering with your company through some of your pilot programs that you've talked about previously, how would they connect with you? They can connect with us at WeConnectRecovery.com or email us through support at WeConnectRecovery.com. And depending on what that looks like, we can connect them to the right team member. Okay. And then while you're giving that information, Daniela, how does one find your app? You can find it through WeConnectRecovery.com on the website. Um, you can also go to Google Play and uh, Apple Store um, and search for WeConnect, one word, and then recovery. Okay. Thank you both so much for your time today and for being vulnerable enough to share your own personal experiences 
to help develop those tools, which help others who are walking your same previous paths. You guys are doing amazing work, and I cannot wait to see what else you're going to do in the future. Thank you so thank much, you so Tracy, much, for having us. <laughs> All right. Have thank you. Have a great you. day, everybody. Thank you for listening to our resources podcast. We would like to thank Daniela Tudor and Murphy Jensen for sharing their personal stories and passion for helping with addiction recovery. Look for more information about insurance and risk management within mental and physical health care in our upcoming programs. For more podcasts, visit our website at SCIC.com.